Good morning, and welcome to episode 669 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, brought to you by the Play Index at BaseballReference.com. I'm Sam Miller with Ben Lindbergh of Grantland. Hi, Ben. Hi. How are you? Coming down from my Sunday night TV high. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pretty high these days. Sunday night has never been better. I, you know, I, I will dispute that, uh, and the only reason I'll dispute that is because I you know, most Sunday nights I, I don't really watch anything. I, I watch Good Wife, but that's very recent that I've watched it live. Mm-hmm. You know? so, so I haven't had a TV show on Sundays for many years. But I get a longing in my heart Sunday afternoons pretty regularly. Like I would say probably every fifth Sunday I get this longing, this nostalgic long, longing for Lois and Clark to be on. <laughs> <laughs> and there was something about Sundays when Lois and Clark was on that just felt so special, you know? It's like you'd have you'd have this show that you'd look forward to all week and it'd be on at the end of your weekend so that you just as your weekend is ending and you're starting to get bummed, oh here comes Lois and Clark. How can you be bummed? <laughs> and Sundays used to be yeah, it would be Lois and Clark and then it'd be X Files after that. And so it was a pretty good, you know, combo. Uh, but yeah, Lois and Clark. Done. It never got any better on Sunday nights than Lois and Clark, in my opinion. I would probably dispute that, but <laughs> it's pretty good though. I don't know. I just came off of watching Outlander, Brooklyn Nine Nine, Good Wife, Mad Men, Game of Thrones, Silicon Valley, Veep. It's like a whole day just blocked <laughs> off for Sunday night TV. What time is it where you are? <laughs> is it 4 a.m. right now? That's eight shows? Seven or eight shows? Well, Outlander's a Saturday show that I didn't watch on time. I see. Wow. <laughs> it's a solid um, block. All right. I watched Good Wife and I had to work in uh, during the commercials because mm. uh, I couldn't get a full hour mm. free. Uh, all right. Non-TV banter? Well, A-Rod... Hit number 660, bringing you one closer to winning your bet with Andy McCullough about A-Rod breaking the all-time home run record. And more significantly, he did it on a 3-0 count, which is a favorite thing of yours. Swings on 3-0. We haven't talked about that in a while. I don't remember that being a thing (laughs) I cared about. Pretty sure that was a thing. Didn't you do an article on it? Stolen bases on 3-0, I definitely did an article on. Yeah, that's true. I thought 3-0 swings were the thing. Maybe Russell Carlton did an article on it. Someone did. The Meaning of 3-0 Green Lights by Sam Miller. Hmm. Okay, maybe that's uh, all we talked about. Yeah, it was... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. Take some time to, to read that. Multiple, multiple graphs. Oh, yeah, I remember what it was. I remember, that's right, I wanted to figure out what it said about a team that gave the green light a lot. And so I looked at how many hitters have the green light on each team, and I wanted to see if they correlated with what we think of as particular types of teams, like stat head teams. And uh, and I found that was what was vexing about it, is that there is is no pattern to it. Like I have, uh, between the data and the quotes, you have extreme money ball teams on both extremes, and then you have uh, old school types on both ends of the of the the side. So uh, like Davy Johnson was a big three O green lighter, but uh, like the A's are like the ultimate three O non three O green lighter. Although the, what inspired this was that suddenly a bunch of A's had had green lights, or 
at least they had swung on 3-0 and then afterwards said Billy's going to be mad at us. So, mm. yeah, so I wanted to figure out which type of team gives the green light 3-0 and couldn't, couldn't figure it out, couldn't solve it. It divides uh, across all ideologies. Well, apparently the Yankees are one of those teams, unless it's just A-Rod being a renegade again. Probably yeah. just had the red light swung through it because he's A-Rod. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else? We haven't even had a podcast about wobbly chairs yet, and we've already got toppled chairs. Mm-hmm. Ron Renicky fired, Craig Council hired, Robin Ventura on the wobbly chair, reportedly. The two biggest catching prospects in baseball were promoted. I'm excited to see Austin Hedges in the major leagues. Yeah, everybody's been promoted. Doesn't it feel like a lot it of does, people? Yeah, promote? I've been thinking like, about that. I, someone, you're going to write an article, aren't you, about how, the, <laughs> how people don't care about the Super Two anymore, and they yeah. only care. You're you've already written I, it. I'm yeah. I was thinking about that, but on, on the other hand, it does seem like there are reasons in all of these cases. Like the Red Sox called up Swihart, like they just didn't have a catcher because both of their catchers got hurt, so they kind of didn't have a choice. The Padres maybe is a little more towards some sort of philosophical shift. I mean, Will Nieves had not been good, but you could kind of live with Will Nieves for a while if you wanted to. So maybe that's more of an example. But I don't know, like Russell, obviously, is something that no one expected to see happen so soon. Bryant was very expected. But it does does seem like we've seen a bunch of top prospects come up earlier than usual. Yeah. That's true. Okay. You know what I've noticed? No. I've noticed a lot of ball players tweeting criticism of umpire calls. Mm. And it was always the case that you didn't you didn't badmouth an umpire after a game or you'd get yeah, uh you'd find mm-hmm. But I wonder if there's a feeling that Twitter doesn't like nobody reads Twitter or something like you know how kids are these days. They don't realize that their <laughs> social media is visible to everyone. I wonder if we're just running into this with baseball players now who think that it's different if you're on twitter yeah maybe although there have been a number of times that players have gotten in trouble for things that they've said on twitter or have gotten talking to's at least from their clubs yeah uh who was it yeah. um right that was a recent one yeah it was all right so i have a quick banter about a twitter thing um brian cole pointed out that there was a mike trout tweet uh, that didn't have spaces between uh, before the punctuation, but it was a sponsored tweet. Hmm. It was it, it was like in his voice, but it was you know presumably a sponsored tweet because it's shilling for a brand. So this tweet says, "Favorite baseball app is back for 2015." Dot 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 at tops bunt exclamation 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 cards dot twitter dot com etc. And so the fact that there's no weird idiosyncratic spacing between words and punctuation is a dead giveaway that he didn't write this. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to just first off call out the tops copywriter <laughs> for not writing in the voice of the person you're writing for. That's, you know, step one is get to know the guy you're ghostwriting for. Yeah. But also, I mean, like I hate to call people sellouts, but you got to you got to stand for something in this world and I think I would fight for the space if I were Mike Trout. <laughs> it does like, seem like you feel strongly about that. It, it or we thought was, so. Yeah, it, I don't know. I feel like he, he lost something here. That it wasn't just that he agreed to put his name next to a product. But he, agree, he agreed to 
subjugate himself to laws of English grammar for a product, <laughs> which feels much bigger to me. Yeah, you're right. That's disappointing. He couldn't even tweet something about the weather. He could have slipped something about the weather in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no airplane, uh, no airplane uh, icons appear <laughs> in the tweet. Yeah. Right. All right. Thank you, Brian Cole, for bringing <laughs> Okay. And the, the at Yankees account tonight tweeted how sweep it is. Yeah. <laughs> Did they sweep someone? Yeah, they swept the Red oh, Sox. Good. That's the best time to use that. It's really the only time. <laughs> yeah. All right. So we're going to do our annual pitchers under 25 draft. Mm-hmm. Um, as, uh, as everybody knows, we've done this twice. And one of the miracles of the under 25 draft is that, well, well, some pitchers turn 26, but a lot of pitchers just disappear because they stop pitching. Mm-hmm. Uh, they hurt their arms and then they stop pitching. And so we always have a fresh class of people who are under 25. So the first year that we did this, we drafted 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 each. Second year, we drafted 5, 10, 12 each. Gosh, and, uh, that's a lot. This year, I think we're doing 11 each. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, yeah, 11 each. All right, and so these uh, are, the rules are the person who gets the most warp from their pitchers over the next five years wins half of the contest, and then after 10 years, that's the second half of the contest. Uh, And uh, all of these starting pitchers are 25 or younger, and uh, this season at least, and uh, all of them were chosen basically because they all have started two games or more this year in the majors couple of them I expanded. A couple of them were uh, one start or more, and they're kind of the more famous of the one start pitchers. Uh, and just as another quick update, we're you know almost tied uh, in last year's. Ben's up 13 to 12, uh, and then he's running away with the year before, 39 to 25. But, Ben, yes. that's a fascinating question now. I was just going to ask this question, I think. Yeah, how will, how will the, the transition to DRA work? <laughs> That's, that's a good question. We really genuinely don't know like <laughs> you, what this will do. It could it could I mean as you we've could seen, be winning both for all we know. I could be. I mean, there are some sizable gaps for some certain pitchers in the transition. Uh, and uh, it's conceivable that these scores will be completely irrelevant. So we're gonna have to, I guess uh, are we switching over? I think we probably have to switch over because old warp will probably not continue to be calculated for the rest of the contest span. So we're gonna have no choice. Yeah, I guess I guess not. Are, are we switching over though for the are are the are the warps that are in mm. grandfathered in? Well, I I have, <laughs> I have I some have incentive to say yes. <laughs> Uh, I have Clayton Kershaw in that first team, so I feel like I'm probably going to be okay no matter what. But uh, yeah. but yeah. I guess in the spirit of New Warp is better, more accurate reflection of the actual value and what we were drafting at the time was who's going to be better. That was basically the idea. Then we should go with the more accurate stat, even if that changes who we thought was winning. Yeah, it isn't as though... I drafted these with warp specifications in mind, right? You know, mm-hmm. and and neither did you. It's not like I was like definitely going to stay away from ground ball pitchers because uh, warp doesn't give them the credit they deserve. Yes, right. So hopefully, official, effectively wild statistician John Chenier can 
recalculate these with the new warp values and you can find the google doc with all of our contests updated very frequently by john in the facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild you just click on the files section and it is one of the files in there so he'll uh, update these probably and maybe enter the results of this new one when we do it which we're going to do now so do you are you are you curious by the way are you curious about any of the uh, if you want i can tell you (laughs) You can name a pitcher, and I'll tell you whether he uh, whether he changed. I, I just have to get the spreadsheet up, but I can tell you if uh, they've changed. So if you're curious, I can do it right now. Jose Quintana was a, a big big one for me for the 2013 draft. He's Jose Quintana gains 0.3 warp. All right, excellent. The only one you're interested in, Kershaw. Kershaw I, yeah, gains he gains 7.6 warp. Okay, well that sounds good. Chris Sale. You're only naming yours. Yes. He gains he gains 2.0 warp. And by the way, I believe that replacement level is a little lower here. Mm-hmm. And so most pitchers, I, I think a, a large number of pitchers have gone up than have gone down. So maybe two might be just breaking even. I'm not sure. Okay. Well, here's one. Here's one. Here, these are careers. So Kershaw's, uh, it's career, not just the last two years. Okay. Well, here's what I'm worried about. One of your guys from 2013 who old warp didn't like very much, sort of a surprisingly low values for him chris tillman okay chris tillman gains 5.4 warp okay yeah that could be bad could be i want to i'm going to check bumgarner because bumgarner bumgarner loses (laughs) 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 i just feel okay about that one yeah and then he he lost all right so all right so that's it okay okay all right so uh you can go first okay i guess no no No, i'm gonna give that to you okay uh i'm gonna flip a coin hang on (laughs) All right, call it in the air. What kind of what kind of coin are we dealing with here? It's a quarter. It's a quarter. Nineteen, nineteen. Oh, they don't put dates on these anymore. Uh, it's on the back. Two thousand six. Hmm. It's two thousand six quarter. Nebraska. It's in Nebraska. Okay. In that right. case, call uh, it in the air. The O six Nebraskas, if I recall correctly. Call it. Call it. Heads. It's heads. Okay. All right. I didn't do my usual prep for this draft. Listeners know that I usually set aside several hours and call some scouts and crunch some numbers and come up with a spreadsheet, which usually doesn't help me at all. In this case, I have not done that. I'm kind of winging it. Too much TV to watch to prep for this at length. So I'm going to take as my top pick Carlos Martinez. I know you would not have. (laughs) I should have have waited a while because I know you're not a fan. I, you know, I wasn't a fan, but I do, I do sort of embrace the idea that he is simply better suited to starting than relief. Uh-huh. And I, I have kind of found it just troubling to watch him as a reliever and see non-dominance. I'm so used to seeing yeah, sure. mediocre starters dominate in relief that I can't help but, you know, harshly penalize guys who don't dominate in relief. Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, enough people, even while it was happening, even before he was struggling, were making the case that he has a repertoire that is suited for starting more than relieving, mm-hmm. uh, if not, you know, if not necessarily the build for it. And uh, you know, he does seem to be. I mean, you know, his strikeout rate goes basically goes up as a starter, or stays exactly the same. His walk rate basically stays exactly the same. The fact that he's able to be as good as a starter as he was as a reliever is unique. And uh, it's not a bad pick. I, li- I like him more now than I did three weeks ago. Mm-hmm. But you're right. I- I'm not in love with Carlos Martinez. Mm-hmm. All right. Good pick, Ben. Okay. All right. I uh, 
I'll be interested to see whether you thought about him at all, but I will take Jake Odorizzi. Yeah, he would have been one of my top guys. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I'm glad he wasn't. Uh, And Odorizzi was, let's see, Odorizzi is, I'm trying to remember if it's DRA or CFIP that is obsessed with him, but one of them had him. Like, I think think he was, I think when we published on Tuesday or Wednesday, I think Odorizzi had the lowest DRA in baseball Hmm. up to that point. And so that's pretty good. Yeah, I like Odorizzi. And he was one of the guys I wrote about pitch selections and how guys change their pitch selections each time facing a hitter in the same game a couple months ago. And Odorizzi was the only full-time starter last year who threw more fastballs the further he went in the game. Like the more, usually the the typical thing is guys start mixing stuff up. They use their fastball early and then they mix in breaking balls or off-speed stuff each time they go through just to show the hitter something new. And he did not do that at all. He went up. It was like, I don't know, 54% his first time and 56 the second time and 58 the third time, something like that. And I interviewed him for that story, and he claimed not to have been aware of that. And now, all of a sudden, he's not doing it anymore. So I'm not going to claim credit completely, but I'm claiming partial credit for Jake Odorizzi's pitch usage this year. Yeah. It's interesting that the James Shields deal ended up, you you could end up really easily defending it from the Royals' perspective, primarily because the second guy in the deal turned into such a great thing. Mm -hmm. And to the point that you were almost like, wow, the the race kind of got an underwhelming return, as it turned out, uh, in in Will Myers. Except then you can defend from the race perspective, because Odorizzi, who was the second guy in that deal, turned out to be really good. Mm -hmm. Like, it really ended up, in a I don't know that we will ever remember it this way because we are going to always be in the moment. But like historians might look back at this and call it the Wade Davis, Jake Odorizzi deal. <laughs> yeah, maybe so. Okay, my turn. I'll take Trevor Bauer. Uh huh. Interesting. Uh, I'm, I'm not Googling to see who Trevor Bauer is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So uh, would you have, would this have been where you picked him three weeks ago, or have you had your mind changed by his strikeout rate and, you know, general flashiness? Yeah, I probably would have probably would have waited a pick or two to oh. take him before this year. Yeah, I I don't know. I mean, we don't have... Th- this is not a great list. Of no, it's really not. <laughs> I'm already like, eh, and we're at the second or third pick, so yeah, yeah, it's not a great group. I don't know what that means. Just happens to be the case that good guys are... 26 all of a sudden or what but yeah they were there wasn't really much of a drop-off from year one to year two and so i sort of looked at this as a as a pool of players that uh churns every year and Mm -hmm. but this year is a huge drop-off from last year yeah like even last year i mean we were taking Jordano ventura and tanaka and waka and cole and gray and wheeler like i don't think there's one person on this list who i would take over the top six from last year yeah and maybe that's, that's knowing what we know now about those guys as opposed to what we knew then I, but even so i'm i think you could make could you make a case for porcello or salazar over or tehran or archer you could definitely make a case for archer archer would go mm-hmm. ahead of uh Odorizzi, right yeah i think so probably can't make a case for the other ones i named now so 
the seven best pitchers would all be. Yeah. Danny Salazar was on last year's list. I might take him over the guys I just took. Yeah, yeah, I said him. Oh. Uh, all right, I will take, uh, and yeah, I will take Archie Bradley. Okay. Uh, and I actually, I don't like Archie Bradley. Like, <laughs> I, I think Archie Bradley is, uh, is, is a good pitcher. He is, to me, I don't know, he feels to me like he's going to be one of those good when healthy guys who will it'll take four years for me to give up on that dream Mm. and uh i know that he's i know that he's not currently hurt in a in an arm kind of way but i've been spooked by bradley combination of combinated matt trueblood pointed this out but he basically hit hit the three red flags last year deteriorating control uh our forearm strain and i forget what the third one was maybe he had like shoulder tightness or something i i forget but he had like the three markers for a guy who's definitely going to have surgery in the next 17 minutes. <laughs> and uh, so I was, I was all aboard the uh, ignore Archie Bradley train this year. Mm-hmm. But, you know, he is kind of undeniably good. I mean, he's on a pitch-for-pitch pitch basis. He's probably the best on this list in terms of stuff and potential. Okay. Well, not a rave review of your second-round <laughs> pick, but okay. Um <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm going to take Taiwan Walker. Yeah. <laughs> Not super enthusiastic about Taiwan Walker either, but he looks really good sometimes. <laughs> and he was a very highly rated prospect, and he's only 22. Oh, here's the third. The third one was, okay, so the Matt Trueblood's three, three warning signs. Mild flexor strain in his right elbow, mm-hmm. which basically as soon as I see that for a young pitcher, I figure it's only a matter of time velocity down throughout the season and uh arm slot dropped Mm. yeah ominous very ominous (laughs) who'd you take taiwan walker yeah he's doing really well (laughs) you gotta what's his dra i bet his dra is better than (laughs) his 8.74 era (laughs) you think so yeah i think so does DRA uh, is DRA less prone to swings like that? No, but he's struck out some guys. He had he had one really yeah, I don't know. He's had five starts and he had one that was really good. He had a couple. Eh, he had two that were really good and a couple that were. His last start was like a disaster start that kind of screwed up everything. His DRA is five point four eight. Lower. Definitely lower. Okay. So no doubt about it. <laughs> okay. All right. I will take everybody on this list is doing poorly. Yeah. Right. I will take this part. It's this part now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> on your third pick. I'm going to take, oh my goodness. I'll take uh, Aaron Sanchez. Okay. I've thought about taking Aaron Sanchez, but I don't know. Nothing that he has done so far this year makes you think he's not going to be a bullpen guy. Yeah. It's crazy how many guys on this list were hyped prospects three weeks ago and feel like post-hype sleepers right now. <laughs> yeah, like, which is... like you're like, oh, he could bounce. No, he could definitely. Yeah, it's been a tough stretch for him. Uh, but it's only been four years since he was good. He could come back if he learns a new pitch. No, these guys are, were awesome three weeks ago. Yeah. And now, and now I just look at them all and think that they're like the child that disappointed me. <laughs> which is probably a mistake on our part. But... 20 walks and 25 innings. I mean, let's. How many picks deep would you have to go on a Tommy John avoidance draft <laughs> to avoid the guy who walked twenty in twenty-five innings? 
Pretty far. Yeah. I I don't know. I was interested in what he would do this year just as a two-pitch guy and adjusting to starting and had clearly been pretty good in the bullpen. And yeah, nothing that he's done so far has made it look like it's going to be an easy transition, but maybe you'll get a, a good bullpen win every year. Yeah. Okay, I'm taking Jesse Hahn. Ah, that was who I was going to take. That was the one I was uh, debating. Yeah, I like Jesse Hahn. I actually yeah. feel kind of good about Jesse Hahn. I feel better about Jesse Hahn than probably the first couple of guys I took. <laughs> no fewer than 11 of the pitchers we've drafted in the past two years have had Tommy John. Oh, man. <laughs> That's almost a quarter in two years, and half of them only in one year. Wow. 11 TJs. <laughs> and 12 of you count Mike Minor, right? Yeah. Jeez. Wait, is Minor a twofer? Wait, Beachy, Medlin, and Minor all had no, two? Maybe. Uh, I think Minor. I was just reading. And Venters had three. I don't think. They, they can't possibly have nine TJs <laughs> in four <laughs> um, Well, Minor. Miner just got transferred to the 60-day disabled list with rotator cuff injury, so that's even worse. Mm. All right, so you took Jesse, Jesse Hahn. on, uh, which is a good pick. Thank you. Uh, I will take. I'll take. I'll take Eddie Butler. Okay. I, I'm just. I, I'm trying. Like I'm really just trying really hard to say. You know, don't don't veer too wildly on the basis of three weeks. Yeah, right? sure, that makes oh, sense. I don't love Eddie Butler anyway, though. I never loved Eddie Butler. Yeah, people ask us what it means sometimes when we say that we don't love a guy or we don't like a guy. I guess it just means I don't know what it means. We're <laughs> <laughs> it means we have a bad feeling. We have not necessarily a bad feeling. We I don't know. I guess it means we like him less than consensus whatever our nebulous sense of consensus is yeah okay i'll go with aj cole uh, yeah i thought about aj cole she's butler and aaron my last two picks have <laughs> my last two picks have walks. 37, 37 <laughs> strikeouts and 35 walks <laughs> well. in 2015 in like the year that nobody ever walked anybody they account that this is true this is true they account for 40% of the league's walks. <laughs> uh, I just play index that. It's true. I don't think so. All right. The question is, do I really just embrace what I've become and uh, take uh, there's a There's another guy with a ridiculous walk rate you could take on this list. Is it Tyler Mancic? It's not the one I was thinking of. Uh, Mancic has 13 strikeouts and 13 walks. So I could go 50 <laughs> Ks and 48 walks in a three pick. Span. Is it TJ House? It is TJ House. Yeah, and he's got the shoulder. He's going to be the last person picked. And yeah, and he's moved way down my board in the last few weeks. I like TJ House. I like him too. I do too. <laughs> I had him in things. Yeah. <laughs> now I very much don't. No. You can have you can have him with the last pick. Well, you don't have the last pick. No. You can have him with your last pick. I'm going to go. I'm going to switch it up, and I'm going to go with the. Low upside, relatively safe-ish kind of pick. I will take Kyle Hendricks. Mm. Kyle Hendricks is uh, is is if is what I think of if Tommy Malone were right-handed and a little and a little taller. <laughs> so worse or better? Is that know. better or worse than Tommy Malone? 
I think that it's better because he has the platoon advantage more often. I think it's worse for his career because he can't be a loogie. Mm-hmm. So, like, I would draft the lefty first. But I think it's better for his, his DRA warp. Okay, I'm going to take Daniel Norris, mm-hmm. recently demoted. <laughs> but... recently, recently mentioned in this podcast just moments ago yeah. as bad pitcher. Yep, yep. <laughs> Set down to the minors after he, I think, threw 78 pitches in a three-inning start, which uh, he didn't allow lots of runs, but they didn't like what they saw with the 78 pitches. So, But we've got 10 years ahead of us in this bet, so I'm banking on Daniel Norris's decade. I'm going to go, I'm going to ha- put faith in BP. Uh, BP was the outlier on this pitcher's prospect status this year. We had him in the top 100. Kylie, I think, had him. We had him 63rd. I think Kylie also had him in the top 100, but at the very bottom. And Baseball America and MLB.com did not have him in the top 100 at all. But I am I trust my guys, so I'm going to take Michael Lorenzen. Mm. Okay. Recently promoted. Yeah. Made his major league debut on, uh, like, Friday or something like that. I saw him in the AFL once, and he was bad. So that's... When you did your scout school? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh-huh. So that's what I know about him. Well, Ben, he allowed three home runs in five innings in his debut. <laughs> uh, but only only three runs, though. Oh, okay. So he's, solo he's shots. Scattered them. <laughs> yep. Okay, well, I'm going to put my faith in the St. Louis Cardinals, and I'll take Tim Cooney. I was yeah, I was thinking about taking him just for faith in Cardinals. The reason I didn't take Tim Cooney or I haven't taken Tim Cooney is that on um, Thursday I was on like uh, Cardinals radio something, you know, like mm-hmm. I, I did a radio hit, mm-hmm. and uh, I had to prepare for that, and they they're like, yeah, we're just gonna ask you about the Cardinals, and so <laughs> <laughs> so I dug deep into some Cardinals things, and I figured they were gonna ask me about Wainwright and replacements, and so I had to have something to say about Cooney. And so I was all ready to rip Cooney. <laughs> and as not not because there's anything wrong with Cooney, he's average. He's got four average pitchers pitches. They're all exactly average. They're four exactly average pitches. But, you know, he's he's no Marco Gonzalez, right? And so it was really like I was gonna talk about how, you know, he's up for this start, maybe one more, but you know, Marco Gonzalez is really the the fix there if there's one. And Cooney, uh, you know, he's the kind of guy who could dominate lower level pitcher hitters because he could sequence. He had an advanced feel for the levels, but as he rose, you could see everything kind of going downhill for him. He's kind of like, if I were to describe Tim Cooney, uh, I would probably describe him as maybe a left handed, slightly taller Kyle Hendricks. <laughs> So that is a much, much taller Tommy Malone. Exactly. With the handedness no longer needs to be mentioned. Uh, okay, so so I was ready to not like Tim Cooney for right now. And so then I didn't want to take him. Okay. That's all. Long story. Just to brag that I was on the radio. <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah. All right. <laughs> I'm going to take Rafael Montero. Okay. Who I, Rafael Montero is, I think, I've come to conclude that he is simply a blind spot in my baseball knowledge because I think he's good. Mm-hmm. And every time I look at his numbers, I think, oh, that guy's good. And then I look at his pedigree and I say, oh, he is pretty good. And then he never gets to pitch. Mm-hmm. Like he's always, he's always, you know, in, you know, he's in relief or he's up and down or he's down or he's up and then he's down again. And like, he's not young, 
particularly. He's somewhat young, but he's not particularly young. His, you know, everything seems good about him, and yet there, uh, there never, never seems like he's the guy that they want. So, mm-hmm. but I like him. Well, he was optioned to AAA, and then that option was rescinded because he was placed on the DL with right rotator cuff inflammation. Mm, that hurts. Not believed to be serious, but I believe that it could be. <laughs> okay, we're at the point in this draft where I kind of just want you to take every one of these guys because, like, maybe you'll get negative warp. Yeah, take TJ House is a safe zero, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I, I think I'm taking House just, just because I liked TJ House a few weeks ago, and we're talking about a... 10-year-long span here. So the fact that he was awful in a couple starts and hurt, he's still still got a future ahead of him. I liked him last year. He had a crazy high ground ball rate with a very low walk rate, and just he was impressive last year in about half a season. So I kind of liked him, and now I like him less, but I like him more than all these other guys. Ben, the most important important rule of a keeper league is you have to appreciate that just because it's a keeper league doesn't mean that the rest of the league is going to keep doing it. Uh-huh. So so you don't really build for four years down the road. Because <laughs> this this is what you've got right here mm-hmm. today. And uh, I, I like your optimism, but we're not going to be following this in 10 years. As long as John Chenier is. Uh-huh. Maybe. I won't be. <laughs> okay. I don't know. Does it count as gloating? If you're gloating to a person who's died? <laughs> <laughs> Probably, yeah, sure. Okay. All right. Uh, all right. I'll take, Bronchitis uh, must be more serious than I thought. I'll take Kendall Graveman. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> right. The less said about that, the better. <laughs> um, man, all right. I guess. Does, by the way, with Kendall Graveman, does the Billy Bean thing... Do you have a lingering 2006 Billy Bean effect in your brain? Like, I know that you, you're you smart enough to, to be above that, but does your brain kind of still? Yeah, a little bit. Like, Yeah, I mean, I, I feel, I, I and it's not that, like, I know that Billy Bean is a smart GM, and, and, and I tend to think that if any GM wants a player, I go, oh, ooh, oh, <laughs> Rob, Robbie Ray, he wanted Robbie Ray, I bet Robbie Ray's pretty good, uh-huh. huh? You know, like, I think that about almost everybody. Like, I, I like these GMs, I think they're smart people, mm-hmm. but even in a world where, like, I don't think that Billy Bean is necessarily any, or the A's, I guess, are any smarter than, you know, the Indians are, or the Blue Jays are, or you know any number of smart teams are. But there's just something about the fact that you know Billy Bean was there when I was in my in in the crib, you know, in mm-hmm. in I was an infant and he was holding me. Yeah, my girlfriend watched Moneyball the other day, and he sure seemed pretty smart in that. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> and Graveman's two inches taller than Tommy Malone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually, it's weird because I'm actually now worried that you're going to take my guy. <laughs> you have a guy still out here? I don't have a guy. Um, guess I'll take Matzik? Yes. I thought about Matzik. It's, I, I thought about Matzik. Matzik, I, I can't get over, I can't get over the minor league walk rate, man. Mm. And I don't, I don't know if it was one of those things that was just an easy fix. I was, I kind of thought that he was over it. And then he's been really wild this year and i don't know i always feel like that this is my philosophy this was my i i talked about this when 
BJ Upton got traded from Tampa to, well, not when he got traded, when he got signed by the Braves. And uh, there was all this talk that, oh, well, maybe he needed a change of scenery. You know, maybe he didn't seem to be that happy with the Rays. There was a lot of criticism of him over, like, whether he ran out, you know, pop-ups to the second baseman and so on. And, um, and yeah, you could look at it and say, oh, a change of scenery will be great. He's got all this natural talent. But to me, a guy who needs a change of scenery is a guy who is quite likely in a few weeks, months, whatever, going to need another change of scenery. Guys who need a change of scenery are just guys who need changes of scenery mm-hmm. a lot, right? Mm-hmm. They have something about them that leads them to this sort of, you know, equilibrium of semi-unhappiness. And, and I'm, fi- like, I'm fine with that. I have an equilibrium of, of a flawed state as well. And so with Matzik, like you could say, oh, well, he got the yips and uh, that's easy enough to fix. And it is easy enough to fix, but it's easy enough to go back to it. The guy who gets them is a guy who gets them. Mm -hmm. So so that's why Matzik terrifies me. Like he Matzik seems to me like the guy on this list who is like he's he he could very easily win 19 games and uh, be a good pitcher. Like I don't put that past him. But if I were picking a guy who's going to be out of the league in two, three years. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, I'm not sure we've named a guy yet that I would pick after him. Okay. All right. So who's your guy? Yeah. Trevor May. Mm. Trevor May. It's going to be my next guy. A, and a true post-hype sleeper, too, because, I mean, he was a, he was, he was hype in, like, what, 2011-ish, 2010, something like that? Yeah, his prospect rankings were pre-2012. That's when he was on the top 100s. And he's got good peripherals. He he had him last year when he had an eight ERA. I mean, not good. It was horrible, but better. And they're good this year. He's got. He's having a good year. He's having a solid season. Yeah. Okay. Good. He's like he's like Tommy Malone, <laughs> except right-handed. Six five. Six five. Two hundred and forty <laughs> pounds. Right-handed. He is a twin, though. Yeah. That's pretty much what I mean. Similar uniform. All right. Uh, similar initials. Yeah. True. Okay. I'm gonna. I guess I'll. Take... Why do I think it's good to be like Tommy Malone? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it's not good. How how old is Tommy Malone? Did he, when did he age out of this draft? Tommy, I feel like he might have drafted in the. First oh, he, yeah, he's twenty eight. Oh yeah. Okay. All right. I'm just gonna take a guy who's pitching well this year. <laughs> he's like the only guy on this list. Anthony Discofani. Yeah, that's a that's a good pick. I mean, I probably would have taken him before Mansa. In fact, that's good. I mean, you know, again, it's like he's a guy that not that long ago a GM wanted. Like a GM said, that's the guy I want for for Matt Latos. Like I've got this player who's famous, and I'm going to trade him. Who can I get for him? I want him. Mm-hmm. And uh, that says something. I mean, nobody ever said that about Kyle Obstein, <laughs> except you with your next pick. You know. <laughs> You want to hear a story about Kyle Lobstein? Sure. So uh, there was an early run of DRA, and it was it was early. It was like uh, you know, it was before it was ready to publish, and I it it wasn't quite right. You know, like just in terms of the getting the details right or the the programming or whatever, mm-hmm. it wasn't quite right. Mm-hmm. And the way that I could always tell it was not quite right is that Kyle Lobstein was at the top. <laughs> like he, he was having the best year, and and it was weird because like every other person was in the right spot. But there'd be like three guys who were out of place. And I could have looked for those, you know, for whichever three guys there were at any given point to see if it looked okay. But all I had to do was just look for Kyle Lobstein. <laughs> and then and then one then they did a run and Kyle Lobstein was back where he belonged and it was ready to publish. Good. I'll take Kyle Lobstein. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. So that leaves two guys, right? We're on our last picks here. 
Maybe for our last pick, we should just pick the one that the other guy has to have. Because I don't want to. Uh, I don't want either of these okay. guys. So you're gonna pick for me, and I'm gonna pick for you. Yeah, I'm gonna pick the one that you have to have that I don't want. All right. Well, yeah, you don't get to pick for me. No, because <laughs> it's the last pick. Um, okay, I want you to have. I'm gonna give you Erasmo Ramirez, and I'm gonna. Really? I'm gonna take Nick Martinez. So I would, if I were to describe, if I were to distinguish between these two, Martinez is probably uh, a little bit better, and. Erasmo Ramirez is probably a, has a little bit more pedigree, so you're going with the now value. Yeah, that, if you can, that seems that seems reasonable. If you can say that about a guy who has 13 strikeouts in 32 innings, he's got black ink on that page, Ben. <laughs> yeah, zero homers per nine. It, no, and, and four four hit by pitches. <laughs> yes. Okay. Th- all right. Those might have been retaliation because the Rangers have been hit a ton this year. Well, oh. all right. So <laughs> I get Nick Martinez, and you get Erasmo Ramirez. And that's all it. All right. That's it. Oof. Man, there better be some better young pitchers by this time next year. It's not a good group. A lot of good hitters have come up. Not a lot of good pitchers. Well, I mean, a lot of these guys are good pitchers. They were, they were, they were like top 20, top 30 prospects, a lot of these guys. They've sucked. Yeah. I mean, really, like, so Bradley, Butler, uh, Walker, and Odorizzi, mm-hmm. who's good, were all top 30 guys at some point. I think Bauer probably was. Yeah. Carlos Martinez was certainly a top 100. Sanchez and Norris were top 50, top 60. Trevor May was a top 60. <laughs> Matzik was a, Matzik was like the, Matzik wasn't, wasn't Matzik a candidate to go first overall in that draft? He was, where was he taken? Pretty high, right? Probably. 11th. Mm. Cole must have been ranked. Yeah, I mean, there were... He was a top 23 prospect. He was a top... He was a 23rd ranked prospect hmm. by both publications. Mm-hmm. So he was a legit superstar prospect. So they're just... Han? Did you say Han? Han was a prospect? Yeah, so there seems to be a... I don't know. There's like a weird absence of established guys, though. Like when we were drafting the last couple of years, we had guys who had not only been top prospects but had actually been good in the big leagues and yeah. this year not so much like Odorizzi is is he is he the most accomplished major league pitcher on this list probably like almost cumulatively like I, he might have everybody else beat <laughs> yeah combined. not a distinguished group okay well no. well did you say Cole you I did say Cole. Cole was a prospect yeah mm-hmm. Montero was a prospect yeah lots of prospects a lot of prospects yeah. So I wonder if this has anything to do with the fact that strikeout rates are not up this year and scoring has rebounded a tiny bit, or at least the the trend toward more strikeouts and less scoring seems to have slowed or plateaued or something this season. I don't know whether that's because there's been less of an influx of ace young starters this year than there have been relative to the last couple of years, or I don't know. You, you know, the... The second most accomplished pitcher on this list is probably the non-prospect Kyle Hendricks. Yeah, you could make you can make a case for Martinez. Mm-hmm. You can make a case for Bauer, but Hendricks has more wars than either of them uh-huh. in in fewer innings. Okay, well that's the sorry state of under twenty-five starting pitching. Write a piece about it. <laughs> okay, all right. So that's it for today. Send us. Oh wait, yep. I'm, I I do write a piece every year. I write a piece about do you pitching prospects. Yeah, uh, every year I do a piece about whether this this generation's pitching prospects are better than they were in the tin stat days, 
And uh, and so what? The, yeah, every it's been going steadily up. The amount of value that top hundred or top fifty, top fifty pitching prospects have produced has been going up very steadily for like the last twenty years. So when Tinstap came out, or when it was coined by Christina, or I think it was Gary Huckabee. So in like '99 or something like that, it made perfect sense because if you looked at the 1993 crop of pitching prospects who were all like had all reached maturity, they were all horrible. Like one guy was above replacement level. They were just it was this historically bad group of prospects busting, and that wasn't abnormal. And then slowly they started adding more and more value, and the group from like six years ago is like the best group ever. And and it was before that the group from you know two years before that was the best ever. And, so it has been a steady climb, and so just looking at this, I don't know, maybe it's just that there's a lot of really good under-25 pitchers who we already drafted last year, like we said, mm-hmm. uh, but this is a pretty bad group. Maybe it's uh, maybe it's turning around. Yeah. There is no such thing as a pitching prospect, by the way, is Tinstat, for those who don't know. And, you know, actually, just looking at our previous drafts, the first two times we did this, we did 25 and under, so we included 25-year-old pitchers, and this year we only did under 25. So if we had included 25-year-olds, we would have gotten Salazar again and Baumgartner and Gray and Ivaldi and Henderson Alvarez. So there would have been a few more options. So that's part of the reason why this crop was so thin. Okay, so that is it. Send us emails for later this week at podcast at baseballprospectus.com and support the sponsor, the Play Index by going to baseballreference.com and using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. Do you see the program ad that Banish to the Pen designed? No. Oh, for Stompers? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah. That's sweet. Sure is. Oh. <laughs> I want to cry a little bit. (laughs) You have nice listeners. Yeah.